As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Nick Westergaard hosts a great podcast called On Brand. Nick, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. On Brand features my conversations with smart marketers and agency professionals, as well as those working for innovative brands like Adobe, Ben & Jerry's, MasterCard, Salesforce, and more. Tune in and you'll learn how to tell stronger stories and build better brands. Amazing. Where can people subscribe. You can go to onbrandpodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcast.net, or search for On Brand with Nick Westergaard wherever you get your podcasts. That's two A's in Westergaard. You heard him. Go subscribe. Artificial intelligence is remaking marketing as we speak. And if you're a marketer, you can either get up to speed or get left behind. The choice is yours, and really, it's a no-brainer. Join Jeff Livingston and Greg Verdino as they explore the latest AI news, trends, tools, and ideas that are creating the future of marketing, today. This is No Brainer, an AI podcast for marketers. Take it away, Jeff and Greg. Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Livingston. Welcome to the No Brainer podcast, where Greg Verdino and I get into AI things as they impact marketers, hopefully providing some sort of guidance and helping everybody adapt. As we like to say, we're probably just a few weeks ahead of everybody else. And with that in mind, uh, Greg cannot join us today. Unfortunately, he's on bereavement leave. Uh, Our thoughts are going to the Verdino family right now. And with that in mind, we do have a fantastic episode still uh, planned for you guys. We have two very distinguished guests, which I am grateful to talk to today. We'll have a lot of fun with that. Um, and before we get in, I do want to remind you to please subscribe, rate, and review the No Brainer Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you know other marketers who are interested in AI or trying to figure out, maybe decipher the hype cycle, suggest our show, and ask them to check us out too. And with that in mind, today we are joined by the co-CEOs of Forum 3. We have Adam Brotman, former Starbucks, uh, I think, Chief Digital Officer, and also the president and chief experience officer and co-CEO of J. Crew, and his his compatriot in crime, if you would, Andy Sack. And uh, Andy was an innovation advisor to Satya Nadella at Microsoft, uh, or current the current CEO of Microsoft, excuse me. And uh, he was also, or he is also, the managing partner at Keen Capital. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Jeff. It's good to have you. Um, happy to happy to be here. If you don't mind, I'm going to give folks just a, a little background on what you're up to now uh, to set the stage for today's show, which is about High 3 your new crowdsourcing platform, which looks awesome. Um, but let me let me give them the 411, and then you guys can uh, backfill me where I miss out on a couple of things. Both these guys have done some really incredible work, obviously. They're the consultancy behind Starbucks Odyssey which is the revamped Web3 uh, rewards program, which uses NFTs. Uh, their mission is to create space for brands and early adopters to explore and experiment with new technology in a, in a responsible way. Um, and they've raised some money as well, about $10 million. So this current product that we're going to talk about today is Hive3, which is a contest platform which lets brands run creator contests to source marketing creative for campaigns or other uses as you may want to hire the various folks that are on the platform. 
the tie to AI is that they positioned this as catering to AI powered creators, really encouraging that, encouraging people to use the new tools to develop excellence in their creative. And people who enter the contest should discuss how they use AI in their workflows or have it in some way. The platform is pre-launch um, and they are starting to, or are you guys already launched? Um, Cause I did see a couple of contests on there. Is that right? Yeah, we're in beta now um, and a, a formal launch coming soon. This oh, that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So we're going to get into that then. And again, obviously the connective tissue is kind of crowdsourcing communities and AI. Um, so with that in mind, gentlemen, please tell the audience where I, I kind of may have missed a little bit, if you would. Jeff, I thought you did a good job. I mean, I think yeah. um, you did a good job in summarizing what we're up to. Um, at uh, Hive 3, I think probably the main piece that you didn't emphasize, the only add I would be, would be what of emphasis, and that would be around um, really the competition, the competitive league nature of, and, and, and we're, we're actively reaching out to this new class of creator, what, what we internally call super prompters, but we're, we, we've been, reaching out to them. They've been, uh, we've now built a community of about a thousand people, creators, uh, these the super prompters. And they, these are people who have experience in design, you know, design tools, whether that be Photoshop or Illustrator or uh, video creation. They, they've been doing this for five or 10 years and they've fallen into the AI rabbit hole. And we believe that AI is going to um, unleash creativity um, and, and it's really that, that unleashing of the creativity that we're, we're allowing these super prompters to compete and, um, all on the behalf of, with a, with a focus of brand design. So, um, it's, uh, come competing and, and win and earn cash. Sounds like it's fun. I mean, I think my it own is fun. Yeah, I would bet, right? Like my own experience dealing with mid journey and a couple of these other creator communities is that. There's like just a lot of dynamic conversation and back and forth about what works and what doesn't work. And almost this kind of, I would almost say exciting. We're on the same team, but we're also trying to co-compete against each other, one up each other and do like really cool things with these tools. Um, what's your experience working with these guys? I, I'm just following up a little bit on the thread before we dive into our questions. You know, how's it been finding them? How did you find them? What's it like working with them? It's been great working with them. Uh, you know, we, you find, I mean, you honestly, there's these communities sort of self form on social media for the most part. I mean, obviously mid journey has a huge discord, um, but on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, you know, the, the, the sort of the best uh, prompters and AI creators are out there. So we, we, you know, we are, we consider ourselves part of that community. We we, we, we use these tools, we comment and like and share. Um, and so we participate in these communities. And so we just kind of raised our hand and said, you know, we're by trade, Andy and I are marketers. We're, we, we come from the brand, brand building, uh, you know, customer relationship business. And so we, we thought, wow, the, the Obviously, the future of creativity is going to be rooted in AI, the way this is going. And so let's, you know, this is a great community to engage with and you know, bring together. And then let's all figure out together. Let's learn together, you know, what does this mean for for design uh, and marketing? And and that's and so we just raised our hand. And frankly, we've been, um, you know, blessed with the fact that, you know, we're trying to be as authentic and organic as, about it as we can. That's pretty cool. Uh, how's the response been from the community? They've been into it. Yeah, they're having yeah. a blast. Yeah, we yeah. have a Discord, and and we're pretty active on social. And um, you know, they they the community has been great. It's been it's been fun already, and we haven't even gotten started. I mean, we just did some practice stuff with real prizes, but mock brands and some fun stuff, and they're into it. Yeah, it's got a little Ready Player One element to it. It feels like it's kind of fun. So, uh, very cool. Well, let's dive into the conversation a little bit. So, I mean, obviously crowdsourcing is not new. I mean, we have all been through the social media era with 99designs and CrowdSpring. What do you think your primary differentiator? Is it this kind of 
ability to generate art in dynamic ways in an exponential fashion beyond the human imagination. Andy, do you want to tackle that one? Go ahead, Adam. Okay. I mean, he's I like, say, hey, Adam, take that one. Yeah, I say, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we we think of our differentiation in a couple different ways. First of yeah. all, you're going to hear us use the word community, maybe overuse it, but we're huge believers in it. I mean, coming from our background at Starbucks, uh, the Starbucks project Odyssey, which a big reason that Starbucks launched Odyssey was to add an element of digital community to what they were doing with their industry leading loyalty. And right. we saw in that community, which we were a big part of helping to stand up and manage was the use of AI generated fan art was showing up organically in that community. So the concept of like community and co-creation, um, customer activations like this, this is just in our, in our DNA, we saw it happening and we were like, that's going to become a big differentiator for Hive 3. Hive 3 is going to be, you know, a, it's always going to be a community first platform for brands. I also feel like, you know, in comparison to other either services or tool sets that are out there that may or may not adopt AI, we're, besides community, we're also going to be thinking about, um, really thinking about innovative ways to bring um, unique user experiences for both the creators and the brands, kind of how you bring them together. Um, that's not just transactional. That's got like this emotional fun. I mean, you're seeing some of the fun with the gamification and the contests, but there's going to be more than that. You know, we plan on innovating uh, interesting ways to interface with the platform uh, that goes along with community and, and we're, you know, we're brand folks. So we, Again, we're coming at it from the perspective of some of the largest, most interesting brands in the world. And if we can bring those brands to the table, um, that's, again, something you just don't see happening with a lot of these other services. So the combination of brands and UX and community, I think, is really going to differentiate us right away, if not for the long term. That's pretty awesome. And by the way, folks, I did give uh, Andy and Adam full license to troll me back if I say anything funny or goofy. Everybody on the show knows I'm a clown, so take it with a grain. Um, but that does sound very interesting, and that particularly when I consider like Getty Images and some of the ways that they've tried to, I wouldn't say make a, a fun contest, but provide challenges to people. And 500 Pixels has also done that in the past with its photographer communities. I haven't seen that very done very well within the crowdsourcing creative platforms. So I do see this as kind of like a next generation, smarter, more evolved, more engaging type of platform, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Uh, well, let's walk through how it works. You know, I noticed that you have a have a wicked Halloween contest. Um, in this instance, I would assume that you're actually the client. Uh, how, how does somebody actually participate in that? Um, or is that a different model altogether? No, that's a pretty, so right now, the, the way you participate is you, you come to hive3.ai, you register, and then anybody can submit um, against the brief. So there's a, every time, there's either gonna be a real brief from a real company that's actually wanting to use this stuff, either in an ad campaign or just to ideate, um, or there might be, a, a, you could call it like a mock campaign. So. Um, we'll either, you'll, you'll see in the future, we'll either, we'll come up with a mock campaign like Wicked or Solar Sneaks or Fizzalicious and the ones we've done so far. And, but we write the briefs. I mean, we're, 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 we're a team of seasoned marketers. Like we write the brief and we treat the competition as seriously as if it was a real company. Um, and then when we'll, we might have some influencers come in and host some competitions uh, that are mock. And then of course the bread and butter, what we're going to do is going to be real brands coming with real briefs. Um, and, and then what happens is anybody that's registered on our site can submit. Uh, they submit right on the site. We ask that they use primarily AI tools uh, and they mention which tools they use just mostly just to keep everyone on the same playing field, but it's a honor system that, you know, you're using some one or more AI tools to create either an image or a video. They it gets submitted and then it gets judged. Uh, when a brand's involved, it's going to get judged by the actual brand marketers. And if it's a mock uh, campaign, it'll be you know Andy and I or whoever we decide. So it's but you know we, we're going to be transparent about 
the criteria and and one of the things we've learned early on even in these mock competitions is that we probably need to provide even more feedback about why we picked what we did and so we've been learning and improving but ultimately it'll be it'll feel like a, an agency type design brief that you participated in and and then even if you don't win um you you know there's a first second and a third uh but even if you don't win there's um you know the opportunity to kind of build up your skills and share what worked and what didn't and and kind of build up your portfolio of work if you will and so that's going to be on our site and then um we're planning we'll announce more details on this but there'll be like a season and in season one we've committed you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of prizes and there'll be a playoffs at the end based on you know some That's criteria awesome. so it's good we're gonna have some fun with it but in the end like it, i think it's going to be as much educational and like constructive for the participants as it is fun well that's pretty cool i love how you're inspiring that and kind of growing that next generation of artists and i actually anticipate that brands will want to do it i mean i don't know if you gentlemen saw the feeding america campaign where they did the faces of hunger in the united states they literally took portraits of I think hundreds of people that have been beneficiaries and created a composite image of a, a woman that could be anywhere in America really that uh, is a beneficiary of those food banks. And it's uh, gotten them a lot of coverage. And I can see, I mean, just like with Web 2.0, I remember whenever a company would launch a blog, it was like big news, even just using AI creative should generate some interest for a lot of companies initially. I think that's right. Yeah, the, I mean, on that point, the, the um, Andy jump in here as well. Like we, on the brand side, we definitely feel like this is, a, and it's why we came up with the part of why we came up with this idea was, it's hard as a brand right now to know how to adopt and embrace and navigate AI because there's IP issues. Which I'm sure you're going to get to in a second. There's, um, uh, there's responsibility issues. There's, um, uh, you know people's jobs and livelihoods that are affected. So there's a lot of like legal and ethical and other issues to navigate. So for a brand, we thought, what's a great way to let a brand experiment and learn along with us. And so what a better way than sponsoring a design competition, you know, whether they use the ad or not, they can learn the process. They can see what's possible. Um, they can, um, uh, you know, effectively tackle this in a way that gives brands comfort to know that they're not biting off more than they can chew, but at the same time, still get going and start experimenting and start learning. So we feel like, you know, even besides like the sizzle factor for brands, there's a real learning opportunity for brands to start experimenting. here. Well, since you brought up the IP and the cautions, what are some of those that you've run into and how have you navigated them? <laughs> Andy, I'm, I don't want to do all the talking. Andy, you want, you no, want to dude. That, 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 when it comes to IP and and, and Adam's a trained lawyer, um, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's so. First of all, it, it's interesting. You've got this. Um, you've got this really. I'll call it pioneering uncharted area when it comes to the difference between cop. You know, on the output of an IP based image or video. You know, it's like, well, who owns it is a, a little more clear because it seems like ownership um, is being allowed by all these different IP, uh, sorry, all these different AI models and companies to be in the hands of the creator. However, the copyright's a different question, and that's very much, a, you know, uh, at best a gray area. At worst, you know, the copyright office right now, I believe, is taking the stance that you know, if it's AI created, it's, you know, nobody owns the copyright in it. So there's still, I think that issue, which is right there is that's confusing for brands. Typically a brand's going to be like, I copyright's got to be clear. Ownership's got to be clear. You've got, you know, issues relating to the training of these models and, you know, whether that was that in and of itself was a problem you've got indemnification coming at multiple layers. So it's a thorny wicket. And, you know, our idea is, you know, we want to indemnify the brands that come to us. Uh, we are making sure that, you know, ownership is clearly in the hands of the creators that submit unless they get paid by the brand in a prize to transfer that ownership over. So we're trying to take something that's sort of murky and make it as clear as we can be responsible about it. You know, the rules in our contest say, you know, don't use third party marks don't use living artist styles like we're trying to be 
as smart and responsible as we can in an area that's so fast moving. Yeah, it's it's really a, a huge challenge, obviously, and you can't blame enterprises for being cautious, particularly from that legal perspective, because we've already seen lawsuits pop up. Uh, curious to hear what your thoughts are on how Adobe approached that with their willingness to indemnify people that use Firefly. I thought that, I mean, I think that's sort of being seen as uh state of the art and leading and we're, we're, we're following suit with a similar kind of approach and both Adobe and us are, it take take seriously both the tech and the responsibility around the legal issues and copyright and indemnification. And I think Adobe did a great job. Yeah. I mean, it clearly has generated a lot of interest for them. I, I do think their technology may not be as advanced as some of the other image generators, but they're benefiting from, well, obviously having a latent base of customers that already have the creative suite, but also this uh, smart approach to IP. Now, obviously you're working with brands and other fashions. How else are you making it easy for them to work with you? I mean, we're, um, I think we can talk about this where we're, we've been approached. We, we're not going to announce it on this set, but we're working on a book. Um, and, uh, and the book is really around the application. I mean, it's really to help brands um, uh, through a case study approach, navigate the waters of, using new tech, whether that be AI, uh, Web3, or Metaverse, using new tech that what we, those three technologies we view as the convergent tech of this era. And we think that it makes the job of both the, the marketer more confusing than ever before and also more exciting than ever before. And so um, uh, you, you'll be hearing uh, about that book uh, in the next three months from us. Oh, that's outstanding. So a lot of Again, more, more guidance, more case studies, more examples to help people really get into it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that we're doing in addition to the case studies and the book is, is that we're actually building a community of practitioners for shared practice. So the book is just is a is a part of an initiative really to just help brand marketers crawl before they walk and run as it relates to navigating the, the use of those new technologies. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, with Generative Buzz, which is mine, we're seeing the same thing where education is really the only way to not even market. It's just the only conversation to have right now. We're so early in it. Um, have you seen things? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to add on to say that, you know, that's we see that a lot from brands that we talk to now. Like if you ask brands that ask us, you know, our opinion or our advice on on what they should be doing right now around this this new converging tech. That, first of all, their mindset, if you're a brand builder, brand marketer, is learning. I mean, right now it's a that's the that's what everybody's doing. We're doing it, frankly. Like we're, you know, yeah. Andy's reading the the new uh, Michael Lewis book right now, and I'm like, oh, I need to read that, but I can't take my eye off of like the daily deluge of information that's coming out with AI and like, I mean, and I know we all feel the same way. It's, you know, trying to net, we're learning. So I think the brands are trying to learn the one thing that Andy and I are trying to, you know, develop a playbook around and, and not just in our book, but just in our, in our advice to these brands is to really adopt, you know, an attitude, understand that the consumer has changed, understand this is a new conversion era. And, you know, you need to be ex not just learning, but experimenting. You need to be thinking about things like community, ownership, participation, gamification, storytelling. Like that's, those are the themes that we come up with. But, you know, first and foremost, it's, it's experimenting and learning because this, this area is moving so fast. 100%. Love it. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Nick Westergaard hosts a great podcast called On Brand. Nick, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. On Brand features my conversations with smart marketers and agency professionals, as well as those working for innovative brands like Adobe, Ben & Jerry's, MasterCard, Salesforce, and more. Tune in and you'll learn how to tell stronger stories and build better brands. Amazing. Where can people 
people subscribe? You can go to onbrandpodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcast.net, or search for On Brand with Nick Westergaard wherever you get your podcasts. That's two A's in Westergaard. You heard him. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is conversations with people promoting mental health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net. Or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. I was going to ask you guys, I'm sure, I mean, my experience has been, there has been like amazing things that happened that I never expect with AI and, and some of the productions. I was going to ask you both to tell me your favorite or one of your favorites, probably not fair to for your favorite, but one of your favorite kind of, wow, I never expected this to happen when I saw this creative kind of land on my desk or this campaign go or this contest we had. Uh, Andy, you want to start us off? I mean, we have that experience. We've had that experience like regularly, uh, almost every day, the last two months, just running the competition. So the, um, the quality of the submissions, um, I think really particularly in the domain of sizzle reels has been just, I mean, I remember Adam, we were our first sizzle reel video, um, was for a script um, that was being sold in Hollywood. And I saw it on the street and I, you know, I think I used some expletive and was like, uh, you know, OMG, but it, with some expletives. A little uh, holy in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, I mean, it, it was mind blowing. Um, you know, I think more broadly that I, that some of the audience could reference, I think what Heinz has been doing um, has been interesting obviously Coca-Cola, um, uh, you know, or Balenciaga, like those are some of the, um, brands that I think have, you know, started to experiment, but I don't, they haven't blown me away with those initiatives. It's just, I applaud them for experimenting. That's cool. How about you, Adam? I would say, I agree with Andy that it's, you know, our community of creators, we've put ourselves in a situation with them to be blown away every day. Cause when we do these contests, um, uh, you know, they're, they're just so good at bringing out the, what the AI is capable of doing. That's why, you know, we talk about them being super prompters and like, there's, there really is a skill set that they have and we appreciate. And, um, but I'll say like, I, I, um, it's going to sound so, so mundane, but like when we, we did a contest for um, uh, a clothing uh, brand that we came up with called wild W Y L D. And we said, okay, we, we wrote a brief for it um, and gave some example creative and brand guidelines and, you know, talked about doing a photo shoot and it wasn't even a sizzle reel. Sizzle reels are tend to be more sort of like wow factor, but we did a photo. We said we went put together a photo package for this brand uh, for the new fall campaign, and I mean we couldn't. We had trouble judging it because it was to get down to a top three. These were incredible submissions. Like these, you know, this would have taken a, uh, this would have taken weeks and tens of thousands of dollars, and you know, on location with you know post production editing and what what these community members were able to produce you can see it on our site by the way but it, some of the stuff but it's it's it you know it blows my mind because you know you have to and i'll tell you and i'm sure you've all everyone that's listening has had this experience when you're used to working with ai creative in the last six months nine months every day and paying attention to what's possible you don't become numb to it but you you realize that when you're showing this to someone else that's not used to it and they're like looking at it and you're like do you know that that's not an actual person? That's not an actual photo. And they, they're just, my favorite examples of, are when I'm not gobsmacked, but when someone else we at a brand we presented to and they're like, that's incredible. Like, I can't believe that somebody could just 
create that, you know, with a prompt. Um, so, you know, that, those are the kind of examples that blow me away. That's pretty awesome. Thank you both for that. I think that really adds a lot. Um, I, I know this is probably counterintuitive, but do you guys use AI in your own Hive 3 programming? Yeah, all the time. Sure. Every I mean, day. I, every day. Analytics, can you, can you dive into that or is that secret sauce? I mean, we use it so much that like, I mean, you know, we're both, um, we, we both have been in the techn technology industry for 25 years. I had startups in the nineties, the way in which companies, startups in particular, cause they're the quickest to adopt and the way we're we're using, we use it every day, each one of us multiple times a day, and we're probably not using it enough. Like it is a game changer in every aspect of the business. Um, <laughs> With strategic yeah. marketing, accounting, back office, legal, every aspect of the business. Yeah. And so it challenges you to, to think about how to operate differently. Um, and so that, you know, and we, I often say to Adam, we're not using it enough. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that you guys are eating your dog food. You know what I mean? And it's uh, good. We do the same thing, but I, I cannot tell you how painful it is sometimes to realize that I should probably just see if there's an AI app for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In fact, there's a website, I believe there's an AI app for that. Um, so there you go, folks, if you're listening, check it out. It's, it's like, it's like, it's, it, that's the modern version of, did you Google that? <laughs> it's true. It really is. So, I mean, speaking to that experience, you guys have been pioneers and you've been pioneers over and over and over again. Um, and most recently you brought Starbucks into the web three era. Now you're in AI. What makes AI kind of the thing to work on over web three or the metaverse? I know that a lot of people were talking about that a couple of years ago. And I mean, there's obviously been a massive pivot, not just with you guys, but with everybody towards AI. What, what do you think kind of happened just from your own kind of perspectives as people that have been in the business? I mean, we could spend the entire 30 minutes to an hour on that one question. Um, so <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I'll speak for myself. It's, it's informed because I speak to Adam probably five or six times a day. The only, the only person I speak to as much as Adam would be chat GPT. Um, uh, I, I think like we, I wouldn't say that we necessarily think that it, I'm going to say two contradictory things. I wouldn't say that we necessarily think that AI is better um, than web three or metaverse. I think it's the convergence of those three texts that technologies that we're particularly interested in. That said, we did pivot from Web3 to being an AI first company. And when asked, why did we do that? Well, if you take anybody and you have one minute and you try and sit them down in that case to Web3, it's a it's hard to get the first aha moment in the first minute. And you sit someone down with ChatGPT for 15 seconds, and they're like, OMG within 15 seconds. And so that instant aha moment, which is the scratched and an opening to a world, and it doesn't stop there. It just, that can, that world opens and continues to delight and impress, which Web3 just has a more complicated version. I think over time, the, the convergence of the technologies, I think I'm a Web3 bull still. I think Adam is as well. Uh, I think AI is going to drive the use of Web3. Um, we're, we continue to work with Starbucks and Odyssey, and they've been both pleased and uh, continuing to invest in Odyssey, and they've seen tremendous va business value as a result of that initiative. But that's the that's my answer to your the start of an answer to your question. It's really we literally could spend thirty minutes at least on that conversation. Yeah, it's definitely a bar conversation for sure. Adam, yeah, I I mean, there's no question that I, that Andy's spot on about I'll call it the the ease of un, of understanding the implications of AI compared to the implications of Web three, like from a user experience and getting your head around it, like Andy was mentioning, that that's a clear difference. But I'll, I'll even be more um, uh, 
simple about why why we are focused more on AI than Web3, although we're still big believers in Web3 and Metaverse, is that, um, uh, and speaking for myself, I, I think for a lot of people, I wasn't aware, I did not understand, I'll call it generative AI prior to December of 2022, the way, like, I did not understand the implications of it, that, you know, but what the software, what the models were capable of doing. Um, I didn't understand it was actual like intelligence, that it was actually, that it could reason, it could understand, it could create, it could um, do all of those things in a conversational, all-knowing way. I mean, it, it sounds like science fiction when I'm talking about it. And I'm, I'm describing ChatGPT 3.5, especially when it became four. And, you know, and by the way, like, Claude two and Claude Pi, takes right? they're love, amazing. Love they're amazing. Love like, Claude. So all of these different models, these frontier models, foundational frontier models, LLMs are, they're mind blowing. And, and, and so there's an element of like, just to be completely honest, like once Andy and I started to, and Andy was telling me, I remember like last year and the year before Andy was like, you know, we should probably be paying attention to what's going on with, with AI, but we were deep in the web three space. And, but neither one of us was like, I don't even think you could like really playing with ChatGPT until December. But it it was like December that we were playing. Like when that when that public release of ChatGPT came out on November 30th, it, it happened within days of the Starbucks Odyssey launch, which we had been working on for a year. And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. And it was so there's an element of like, just to be honest, and we've been digital um transformation you know executives our whole career if you're paying attention i don't know how you don't focus on this it's 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 that important and that that mind mind blowing yeah i would agree it's when gpt launched it's definitely a before and after moment right and uh and i've been working in ai for a couple of years heavily every day throughout the day and it was still changed everything and that's when i went out on my own so it was definitely a moment for me as well. Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, did you see that there's that Scott Pelley's on that 60 minutes interview recently and he's in front of, I think the Google team or he's in front of some team and they're showing him, I don't remember which LLM it was. And he's saying I'm speechless. Like, and I think we've all had that same experience. Um, and it's, it's, you just, you know, and, and you think about the implications of it. I mean, for any profession, especially for marketing, any creative profession. I saw Sam Altman was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he was saying he thought that, and he's been working on this. He thought that it would go like the AI would sort of affect and disrupt blue collar. And then like, I'll call it knowledge workers and then creatives. And he was shocked that it went, it's going in the other direction that it's like, it's going creatives and knowledge workers. And then, you know, uh, you know, manual tasks. So it's, it's, it's happening in ways that even surprised him. And, you know, you think about, you know, that the implications of that for marketing and creative and brand building, like it's, it's game on right now. hundred percent. And it's funny too. They just launched that multimodal version that's on your phone, semi-multimodal. And, uh, I uploaded a crazy image just to try to throw it a loop to see if it would recognize it, which was uh, a lot of whites that had the MLK memorial with shrouded with cherry blossoms and then clouds above. And I said, what is this? Didn't even offer anything more than that. It completely nailed it. And I was just shocked. Wow. I, I, I would say computer vision would not be able to do that a year ago. Amazing. And I, I, I guess maybe this is a good question kind of to transverse off of that a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, what do you think about the next five years? I mean, this is, this is the worst AI we're ever going to have right now. I mean, I, I mean, what do you think? Like, you know, put on your seatbelt. <laughs> Should we, should we be afraid? Are we are we tech yeah. innovators going to be out of here? <laughs> no, we, you should be somewhat afraid. I mean, you're not if you're not you're, if you're not a little afraid, you're not paying attention. Like it's um, uh, it's uncharted territories. We don't know what the implications are of the tech. We're trying to figure them out, and it's moving faster than we are as we try to figure it out. And it's it's both 
amazing and delightful and terrifying all at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, it's hard to talk about the next five years because I think this is moving even faster than we think. I actually think the next two years are going to be something like we've never seen before the way this is going and, and specifically to, to kind of nerd out on it a little bit, like, you know, the, A, the AI has shown it's capable of so much um, ability uh, to understand, to create, I mean, it can write code, it can make images, it can make videos, it can create marketing briefs, it can create campaign ideas, uh, it can copyright um, so you start thinking about it, like it is an all purpose, or I think they call it a general purpose, but it's a general purpose, incredibly capable technology. We've never seen anything like this. It, 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 it virtually makes every software application in the future, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, is the, is the AI just going to do this? Um, and I don't know when, I don't know, you know, but there's going to come a point when it's, it, you know, for example, for us at Hive 3, it's why we're really focused on things like community um, and and some other elements that we try to, we want to really differentiate on because we do believe that at some point the AI will be capable of doing so much. And so we have to be thoughtful about that. But I mean, I think if I was a marketer, if I was a marketer today, with a brand or a brand builder or a loyalty expert or whatever job I had, I would be thinking, okay, I have to assume that within, you said five years, Jeff, like in five years, I have to assume that I can ask the AI to do anything and it will be able to do it. Um, in terms of like, I'm talking about like writing code and, you know, making, producing creative, et cetera. So if that's the case, then, I would be thinking now about like, okay, how do I harness that? Like, how, how do I start? I mean, you can mimic that right now with these great super prompters and you can sort of get to a world where the AI, the AI can be your partner in these ways. And so that's, I mean, that's, I'm trying to be sort of glass half full and say, look, it should just produce new neural pathways for you as a marketer to sort of think about how to tackle your job. Um, and I'd be thinking about it now, not waiting for three or four years. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. I'm going to give you the last question. Then we'll do our brainer no brainers really quickly. Um, gentlemen, obviously every CDO, every CMO in America right now is getting, Hey, you have to be working with generative AI. How, how does a CDO or CMO do that while keeping the eye on the ball, remaining strategic, you know, lead gen, uh, making sure that we're getting ROI, making sure we're taking care of our, our, our customers. What, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think he's, there we go. You. There we go. There we go. There you go. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, um, all I was going to say is, is that taking care of business is, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's basic business, right? So you've got to take care of business and people have their plans and they're running their programs and there's a lot of, there's employee stuff to manage and marketplace, et cetera. We think, um, so like, that's just sort of table stakes. Like this is a new area. What, you know, how to get involved. It's not how, it's not necessarily how it's just sort of taking a spot and diving in and start using it for themselves personally, and also encouraging their team to use it, um, uh, as a starting point and the team gets familiar with it. Once that happens, it's take a project and take some risk, which is something that I would say in general businesses, they don't have, they're not encouraged to play as much as they, um, as much as they should. And so, you know, that's really the source for Hive 3 is it's a place both for the creators and the brands to play, but it's like play around with the technology and see what's capable. And I think as soon as you start doing that, the light bulbs start going off. And, and so that's, you know, all the while they have to take care of business. So. Yeah. I would just add that it's not either, or, I mean, Jeff, I, I, and I appreciate the question. So I'm not razzing you when I say this, that. Oh, come like, on. Give it to me. Not, Give you, it. You, you were asking <laughs> us to razz you, but you've, you've been such a great host. There's nothing to razz you on, but I'd say it's not, 
I'd say the question isn't how do I take care of the blocking and tackling and embrace AI? They're, they're not, that, that, I wouldn't ask it that way. The way I'd ask it is, you know, how can you use AI to help you with the blocking and tackling? I mean, your job is your job, right? Your job is to have a better relationship with the customer and drive sales, build your brand, uh, you know, do so in a profitable manner. Like, I mean, the job is still the job. AI just helps you with the job. So you need to be thinking about, and that's, by the way, that Andy and I have made our whole career on that same thing. Just how do you take frontier tech and embrace it and start to learn it so that you can do your job better? It actually, in the end, it will become normal and natural for you to be like, oh, I can just ask AI to help me do this instead of necessarily delegating this to my team, or I can ask AI to be part of the team. Like, like if you think about it, you're really collaborating with this alien super intelligence. It sounds so weird to say, but you are. And like, so take advantage of that. You have this incredibly knowledgeable, capable, you know, uh, collaborator in the form of AI that can do all these things. Like if you need to be thinking about um, analyzing, you know, your sales trends, uh, segmenting your customers, uh, coming up with ideas for campaigns, um, uh, you know, critiquing yourself and what you've been doing, AI can help with all of those things. So those are the blocking and tackling, you know, it's not always, and, and it's not always just taking a risk, but, and there are things that you can do with AI that you could never do. You know, you could ask your customers to create fan art for you in a way that if you didn't have AI, you wouldn't dare do that. Cause like how many of your customers are really going to be able to create great art? Now all of your customers can. So there's things that it unlocks that are, worth taking a chance on, but I would just don't think of it as like the scary, like different thing. It's actually, how do you use it to actually do your job? Outstanding. Well, as you guys know, we like to wrap up with a little takeaway advice for our listeners, uh, usually marketers. Uh, with that in mind, do you guys have like a, a thoughtful kind of piece of advice you would offer the marketing community as a, a brainer, um, whichever one of you wants to start? <laughs> um, I mean, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, let me start by saying, I would say, I mean, this is a podcast, no brainer, an AI podcast for marketers, right? If I, if I explain that right. And so like I would, if I was a marketer right now, if you're not subscribing to this podcast, to the AI breakdown, to the marketing AI, I'm sorry to Jeff to talk about other podcasts, but I, I think you're part yeah, of, 100%, you're larger part of community. an important group. Yeah. Like there are five or six podcasts, including yours that are like on our list of like must listens and you got to do that. Right. And so, and Andy said it too, and you got to be using the tech, like playing with it, like not just for marketing things, but you know, Hey, if I want to get 10,000 steps in a day, how many calories is that? If I'm, you know, just like things, thoughts that you have start using the AI to like, ask it simple things to bounce stuff off of. So my advice to a marketer is get curious, consume the information on podcasts and start using the tech and, and you'll connect the dots. It'll happen naturally. Very cool. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to that, cause I, I think we've already said it. I think there's podcasts, I think using the tech, I think hanging out with, um, some 20 year old, uh, kids and seeing how they, use AI for one hour is probably the best thing you can do to educate yourself about what's possible. They're just, their fluidity and, and playfulness with the tech, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're kind of old men. Uh, we might be clowns and old, old clowns. Andy, um, get off my lawn. Ah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, hang out with the youth and you'll see what's possible. You're so right. I've worked with this one kid. He's just amazing. What he does is just amazing. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you are so right. Well, that, that's some great advice. I think uh, uh, I'm going to take that one myself. Um, and I'll give the no-brainer, which is obviously these guys are onto something pretty hot with Hive 3. You should be following it. And as soon as you can participate in it as a brand, this is a great way to experiment with AI. So that's your no-brainer. Check it out when you can. And I want to thank you both. Adam, Andy, thank you for coming on the No-Brainer thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, it was an honor. We'll be right back with a short segment for Halloween and AI. Stay tuned. And with that, thanks again, gentlemen.
You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcasts.net, or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm back. And that was a great interview with Adam and Andy. I thought they did a really fantastic job. And obviously, Hive 3 is pretty hot stuff. And to wrap up the show, I thought we'd have a little fun uh, for Halloween. Obviously, I uh, missed my compatriot in crime, Greg. And again, thoughts are with him and the Verdino family. But uh, for this particular episode, with AI often portrayed as a bad guy, in movies, most recently, I think with the Mission Impossible 85 or whatever it is, I figured I would ask our favorite LLMs what their top five AI bad guys, monsters, boogeymen of all time were. And so with that, let's go through Bard, Claude, and ChatGPT's uh, responses and see what they came up with. So first, let's start with the... Uh, underdog of the group, Bard, and I think it's kind of interesting because each one of them had a unique bad guy AI. And number five from Bard was Ultron from the Avengers, the age of Ultron. And of course, that was really fantastic and uh, really enjoyable uh, bad guy there. Although of the Avengers movies with the, with the full ensemble, uh, the age of Ultron may have been the... Uh, Maybe the uh, least favorite. Of course, James Spader did a great job voicing Ultron. A lot of fun with that one. The next one is Vicky from iRobot, which was the intelligence behind the robots. And uh, Will Smith and Detective Spooner went after that. I mean, it was a good AI villain. You can't go wrong with any Isaac Asimov uh, uh, book. I don't know if I would rate that above James Spader's Ultron, but you know, that's viable. Vicky's cool. Um, well, not cool as a bad guy AI, but still, you know, if you're into the spirit of Hollywood portraying AI as evil, then it was fun. Um, this one was the one that really stood out with the Bardless. Am from I Am Mother. Am is a highly intelligent artificial robot that is tasked with raising a new generation of humanity following a global extinction event. So kind of like this horrific big brother thing. And, uh, you know, Am raises a girl as daughter in the underground bunker, but obviously she figures things out. And then the number two and number one bad guys from Bard are the same as the bad guys from Claude and ChatGPT. So I'll go into them on this one. And then when we get to the latter two, we'll just go and two and one. So number two was Skynet from the Terminator franchise. I mean, obviously, Wow. I mean, everybody, when they reference AI today, they talk about Skynet as the worst case scenario where AI takes over the world, world and kind of uh, ruins everything for humanity and in a horrific genocide type of way. So, I, I mean, I think maybe actually for me, Skynet's number one because it's obviously the most terrifying worst case example. I actually think Skynet was based off of our number one bad guy from Bard. But all three bots thought it was number two. So Skynet from the Terminator, as uh, originally impersonated as um, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger and then Skynet became more and more intelligent and Schwarzenegger became a good guy, which was weird. A, a good guy robot fighting a bad guy robot, probably more realistic than anything we can imagine. And number one from Bard was the HAL 9000 from Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, a 2001 Space Odyssey. Fantastic, incredible movie. How is horrifically creepy, kind of in the classic horror flick, knocking people off one at a time. Um, and uh, if you have not seen uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, everything that the Terminator does right is based off of this movie. I can see why Bard, Claude, and ChatGPT would make 2001 its number one movie with HAL 9000 as the number one ghoul, AI ghoul, if you would. Uh, and so with that, let's move to Claude. So Claude also had Ultron from the Avengers as number five. We don't need to do that one again. But number four was Ava from Ex Machina. And that was such a fantastic movie. But I was kind of unsure if she's a bad guy, to be honest with you. I, I think Claude may be a little bit off. She was more of an anti-hero uh, in the sense that um, that character... Uh, was dealing with a creepy dude that was kind of using her in creepy ways as a robot, as a spouse partner type of situation. And she wanted her own emotional freedom and then killed him and got it. So was it really Ava, the evil AI or Ava, the uh, free spirit human that has come up to uh, realize her own independence and free herself from the abusive chains and shackles of men, uh, which is another narrative that we see often in Hollywood films. Number three, from Claude, Vicky. Number two, The Terminator. And number one, HAL 9000 from 2001 Space Odyssey. Finally, let's get to ChatGPT, everybody's favorite. And yes, I did use ChatGPT for, we're not going 3.5 turbo here. Number five, guess it's Vicky, not Ultron. But both number four and number three are new entries. Samantha from her, and as ChatGPT4 likes to say, she's not overtly evil, but the existential dread she creates is real. Maybe we can all feel like that about the one that got away from us. And if you haven't seen her, this is kind of actually very relevant. We actually brought it up in the last episode. Greg and I talked about how some dudes are now using AI as partners, like literally uh, female uh, counterparts, emotional counterparts. And then when these guys now get into real world relationships, they really struggle staying in them because the women that they're dating or men, as the case may be, these partners are not ideal, right? They're not perfect like the AI is or the way they think it should be. And so, um, you know, Samantha from her is a very interesting contextual AI movie that folks should check out. Uh, number three is Agent Smith from The Matrix. And I don't know if Agent Smith is the bad guy because Agent Smith is clearly a great bad guy, but maybe the Matrix is the bad guy. I was really, really shocked that the Matrix didn't make it on the other list because I think that that's right up there with the Skynet from the Terminator series. I'd almost make my list be number one, Skynet, number two, Agent Smith, number three, HAL 9000 is the original. Uh, I would definitely have Age of Ultron in there, but yeah, to, to, to make the top three, it would definitely have to be one Skynet, two, The Matrix, three, 2001. I don't know what yours lists are. You can definitely list that in the comments. But wow, could not believe that Agent Smith did not end up on Claude or Bart's list at all uh, or The Matrix. So really, what a creepy series of movies that fascinated all of us. And we all watched it. Um, and it was really incredible. And so, of course, with ChatGPT4, we also got Terminator 2. 2001 Space Odyssey. Now I've given you my top three. I, I might keep Age of Ultron as five. I think that Claude and Bard were on to something. I am not as much into Vicky and iRobot as the others were. I, I do feel like maybe Megan should have made it on one of these lists. I mean, wow, what a creepy movie. I don't know if you saw that. It came out at the beginning of this year. It's kind of like Chucky, but the AI version of Chucky and the sentient being that kind of comes alive and takes over the world. Uh, 
there's also, I don't know, it's probably not a movie, but it's still how. Uh, Hollywood, there was that episode of Black Mirror with the AI dogs that hunt people down. Unbelievably creepy and scary. Um, and so I, I think maybe that deserves some honorable mention somewhere. And of course, the most recent Mission Impossible movie, which we kind of referenced at the beginning of this segment, that deserves a mention somewhere, maybe an honorable mention. Uh, and there are so many movies and tropes of AI going wrong and evil and kind of being creepy or, or humans using AI to be creepy that it's just uh, uh, something that you could probably cite over and over again. So to wrap up, everybody except for Jeff, all the bots seem to think that 2001 Space Odyssey is the best. Terminator is number two and take your pick thereafter. My top five, definitely the Terminator one two, The Matrix, three, 2001 Space Odyssey, and then we'll throw in Megan and The Age of Ultron. That wraps up this episode. Really appreciate you joining us. Again, thank you, Adam and Andy, for joining us. Please tell your friends about the No Brainer Podcast. Please like this particular episode. Share it with your friends. Tell folks about it and definitely give us a review. We greatly appreciate it. And wherever possible, have a great day. And thanks once again for your time. Peace out. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Nick Westergaard hosts a great podcast called On Brand. Nick, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. On Brand features my conversations with smart marketers and agency professionals, as well as those working for innovative brands like Adobe, Ben & Jerry's, MasterCard, Salesforce, and more. Tune in and you'll learn how to tell stronger stories and build better brands. Amazing. Where can people subscribe. You can go to onbrandpodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcast.net, or search for On Brand with Nick Westergaard wherever you get your podcasts. That's two A's in Westergaard. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.